If you're a consultant who runs your own business or agency, eventually you'll have to increase your rates, especially if you've been working with a client for more than a year. Not only are you continuing to grow and refine your tactics as a PR pro, but you're also constantly building up your list of media contacts in the specific industries and growing your connections, which, as we all know, holds a lot of power in the world of public relations. And on a personal level, your money is just not going as far as inflation is high and things are more expensive right now. Um, so maybe even more expensive than when you started billing at your current rate. So it's even more important to do so. Now is the time if you've been considering raising your rates, but have been fearful of taking the plunge. And today we have an industry vet here to share actionable advice and help boost your confidence so that you can get paid what you're worth. Jen Burson is the president and founder of Generation PR, an award-winning public relations and social media marketing firm specializing in promoting beauty, baby, and lifestyle brands. Jen's retainer clients range from small and mid-sized brands to multi-billion dollar publicly traded companies and everything in between. Jen is also the creator of the Profitable Profitable PR Pros Community, recognized by Inc.'s prestigious Best in Business Award, where she teaches entrepreneurs how to launch, grow, and scale a profitable profitable PR and marketing agency. She also recently launched the Pitch Lab, which we'll link to in our show notes, a monthly membership experience for PR pros to learn the step-by-step framework for executing a PR strategy that converts into massive media placements for their clients. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Sorry, uh, that's such a mouthful. <laughs> no, no, that's, I wanted to make sure we mentioned all of that because it's super, it says a lot about your experience. And I want to make sure our listeners know that you know what you're talking about when it comes to raising rates, which is the topic that we're going to discuss today. Of course, we have Jacqueline with us here too. Say hi, Jackie. Hi, happy to be here. Well, let's get right into it. My first question is, Jen, how often is it okay for a consultant to increase their rates? Is it okay to do so every year? What's your general take on this? Well, I kind of go about it a little bit differently because... I think there are a lot of factors that go into increasing rates. What I do when I approach my relationship with my clients is I look at it like a partnership and I want to treat them the way that I would want to be treated if I were somebody's client. And I think that there needs to be some predictability and consistency. And I think if you're looking to raise your rates, there's always a risk that goes with it. So there's a lot of considerations. Um, candidly, we do not raise our rates often for existing clients. And if we do, it will be in a situation where they are asking for additional services that are outside of scope. And we'll use that as an opportunity to kind of bring up an increase in the services that will include the other things that they're looking to accomplish. Maybe we even revisit their goals and come up with a new strategy that includes additional services to help them accomplish those goals. Um, So I think for existing clients, raising your rates once a year feels like a lot to me. Um, I think that for new clients, they don't know that you've raised your rates, (laughs) so you can do it anytime you want, right? (laughs) They don't know what you used to charge or what you're charging other clients. And that's a calculation of a lot of factors, including um, 
how much do you want to work with this client? How great will they look in your portfolio? And also during the kind of courting process, if you really want to work with them, but they're kind of a pain in the butt and you're getting some of those red flags, maybe then you have to come in with a really high rate. And if they take it, then you have enough money to pay a team member to deal with them directly so you don't have to. Uh, but I think with existing clients, um, it's a little bit tricky to raise your rates. And so I wouldn't recommend doing it you know, more than once every other year unless you let them know you're taking them on for a reduced rate for a limited time and you're very clear what that period of time is. You definitely don't want to make it open-ended because then clients will just think, well, what's changed? Nothing's changed. I just want that rate. Why, why would you charge me more? So, um, you know, and you got to give them some heads up. So I'm sure we'll get into those specifics too, but yeah. I feel like I've read that it's okay to raise your rates once a year, but I, I also, I mean, I hadn't done so. Um, and I've been working with this particular client for two years and, it was it was a bit confusing because I was working with them at the start of the pandemic and they were suffering from lack of sales. Yeah. So I lowered my rates and it was much lower than the rates that we had started with. So uh, yeah, I, I can see why though. And But we built like a good relationship over time and I love working with them. So raising their rates was scary, yeah. but- at the same time, I felt like it was time. And um, uh, I also wonder too, Jen, um, I'm thinking about like one of those factors. You mentioned that there's a lot of factors that go into increasing rates. And sorry, I'm all over the place right now, but this just came to mind. Um, do you take into account the success that you've had with that particular client? Like say you're crushing it and you're doing more better than you ever expected. Does that go in? Is that one of the factors that you consider? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you say crushing it because that's like what we say all the time. And I have a, a webinar called Crickets to Crushing It. <laughs> and that's just like our expression of when we're really doing a great job, it's like, wow, we are crushing it for this client. And I think that you don't come at it like we're doing such a great job, you should pay us more. It's not that. It's more the mindset of feeling confident because you know you're delivering, right? And, and so it's not like you come in and say, well, we have exceeded expectations. And now because we're doing such a great job, we want to increase the rate to be more aligned with the results. Um, I think it's more your mindset going into it where you feel confident because, you know, it's, it's hard to change and make a decision to go to another agency. So it's like, will they risk the unknown and how effective a new agency could be because you raise their rate. Are they going to go shop it around? Or do you feel like because you're doing such a fantastic job, you are confident that they would stay if you give a reasonable increase, um, you know, that's not necessarily just because you've done such a great job where you're saying, well, we exceeded, so pay us, you know, we, we want to get paid more. Um, I do think that when you deliver on the value and that conversation should all be based around value because we never want to tie it to like a specific, um, you know, ROI that they're proving out or anything like that. Because like sales, we're not really responsible 
Um, but I do appreciate what you said about the client you started with for a reduced rate during the pandemic. And I think that goes back to you being a partner to your clients and really showing them, you know, we want to support you and help you weather this storm. And PR is a really great strategy to help you stay connected to your customers and top of mind and hopefully keep sales high. But we realize it's it's a struggle for everyone. So in, in the spirit of partnership, we're reducing our rate and we'll continue until maybe after. That's why I say it's helpful at the beginning to say, we'll do it for a set period of time and then we'll reassess. So mm-hmm. you don't get into that cycle of, you know, okay, well, I'm low. How Why would they ever jump up to my market rate when I've been kind of giving them that level of service for a reduced rate? So putting a time limit on it is really helpful because it just, you know, time ticks on and then that day comes and it's time for a conversation to reset either the rate or the expectations. But I do think coming into that discussion with any client, that mindset of, well, we're doing a really good job. So I'm confident that they want to stick around with us um, makes it a lot easier to bring it up, right? You come you come from a position of strength. Yeah, because I'm... It's like you said earlier, putting yourself in their shoes and thinking how you would want to be treated if I'm on the receiving end and being asked um, if I would be willing to pay the raised rate. I would say if they've been doing a good job, um, why would I risk it? You know, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's really smart. I like also what you said about having that timeline, Uh, something I I don't know if this is something you would agree with, um, but I have a client that I've been on retainer with for Oh gosh, probably since 2014. This no, 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 sorry, 2018. Okay, I was like, that's um, an eternity in client years. <laughs> it really is. Well, I met, I didn't, I didn't meet them back in 2013, but I ended up leaving them and coming back. One of those kind of relationships. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of yeah, it's a long story. We don't have to get into it. But I've been working with them pretty much consistently since 2018. Um, in our contract agreement, we have. Um, which if you're working with clients, this is just to, to the audience, um, not to you, Jen, because I know you know this, um, but it's important to have a contract and a, a document that states all of the things you are part of the agreement. One of them is rate and what they are getting for that rate. And um, one of the things that we put in the agreement um, that we collaborated on together, because as Jen says, this is a partnership. It's the best way to look at it. I have to agree with that. Um is um, having that timeline. So we said annually we were, um, rate was always up for discussion annually. Um, so that was kind of my way of doing it. Um, admittedly though, I have not raised my re- uh, my rates since probably 2019. So I definitely, I'm excited to pick your brain because yeah. I haven't gotten ready for it. <laughs> it's a weird time for sure. It really is. <laughs> um, it's such a strange time because, you know, we want to be empathetic to where our clients are and the way they've been managing budgets. And I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, we got completely hosed. I mean, we lost one of our biggest clients was a a billion dollar publicly traded company and they went bankrupt. And I'm sorry, that's tough. But at least we were, you know, I begged the team, like, just please pay us our final invoice before, you know, this goes like chapter seven because we, you know, for us, it's a big, big amount of money and I don't want to get in the back of the line as a creditor. And thankfully they did, which was great, but it's a, it's an odd, 
Yeah. I mean, it's just a very weird time. And I think that things are starting to pick back up in terms of client inquiries and even the quality of clients that are coming around. Um, And I feel that the members of my community are kind of experiencing the same, where people are feeling like, okay, we're kind of steady again. I think now also that the election, you know, the midterm election is, is passed that there's like this period of time where it feels maybe, I know we are in a recession or heading into a recession, whatever you're, you know, believing the economist saying, but um, it's, you know, a little bit more consistent now than it has been the last two years. And so I think that it is a good time to consider increasing rates. Um, And I do love that you put that piece in the contract so that it's been a heads up the whole time they signed that knowing that the rate was going to be reevaluated every year. Um, And I love how you just specified the agreement and and kind of clarifying for the audience what a retainer agreement, you know, includes and should include. And you know, I, I don't know if you, I don't, did you mention it in the intro? I mean, I'm also an attorney, yeah. I was a civil litigator. Yeah. Oh, you were. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I practiced awesome. for uh, four years and kind of come from a litigation background. And my goal is always to 100% avoid litigation just at all costs. Cause there's just no reason to. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. <laughs> right. Like let's avoid that. So we, um, I, I have this program called the agency accelerator and I have a template in the program that is a really buttoned up, very robust retainer agreement that protects the agencies. Um, Ooh, and it, nice. uh, yeah, it's great. And it comes from, you know, 17 plus years of running my business, plus coaching this community for, you know, seven or so years where they are telling us what has come up with clients in their businesses. And so we have included all of these sometimes crazy. I'm like, why would this ever be in a contract? And it's like, well, it happened to somebody. So we need to protect against it. Yeah. Like we were hired, um, had been again, crushing it, like you said, for a client. And the client literally was like, wow, we're getting such great results from one agency. Let's hire a second agency and double the results. And I'm like, what? This is not- That's not how that works. Pitching the same contact. It was a disaster. And then they ended up like carving out products for us and carving out products for them. We were tripping on each other's toes. And it was so frustrating. So we ended up just basically firing the client because we were so frustrated with how that ended up, but I put it in the contract that we're the only agency of record for North America or whatever. Um, on the consumer side, sometimes they can hire somebody for business press or things that are a little more technical, but that came from our experience and other members of our community have said, oh my God, that totally protected me because they were about to bring on another firm and it was a breach of our contract. There's also like conduct clauses that people have had in there because their clients have kind of been misbehaving and dodging journalists when they have interviews, um, not responding to questions in a timely manner. And our media contacts, you guys know, and your audience knows, like we work so hard to cultivate these relationships and when you have a deep expertise in a certain niche, you really need to know the key players in those industries. And when your client jeopardizes your relationships, that's not acceptable. And we have had um, members of our community terminate their client agreements with clients 
based on their conduct because that's wow. the clause that was in our contract. So this comes from just years of like hard earned real life experiences that we've put into the agreement to protect everybody. So I do love that approach to just revisiting, reevaluating. We'll do like a limited period. It'll be a retainer for six or 12 months, whatever we negotiate with the client. Never any less than that. Never project-based. No, no, no. No, no, no. Um, And so- I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, otherwise you're, it's, yeah, not your (laughs) for failure, but that comes from just, uh, you know, you've got that period of time. And when the time passes, that's always a great time to discuss additional services for an increased rate. I just feel when you're providing the same level of service, unless you discussed that it was a limited period for some kind of an intro rate, it's very challenging at, you know, a year, six to 12 months, maybe 18 months or so is a good time. But any sooner than that, it's it's pretty um, early in the relationship to try to raise a rate with no additional services. Yeah. You're like relationship building, not just with journalists, but as a... Uh independent uh, publicist, you're also relationship building with your client. Absolutely. And I like that a lot. You yeah, wouldn't yeah. mistreat them in that way. Um, not it's mistreating, obviously, like, but you know what I'm saying. You don't yeah. want to like surprise them, I guess, uh, by asking for the increase way too soon and not really having any reason behind right. it other than you think you're worth Yeah. More. The other thing is that they build out their budgets well in advance. So they're yep. looking at budgets, depending on what their, you know, fiscal year is, it could be December to December, it could be April to April, it could be, you know, you know, Q4 is the start of the year. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it ends like Q3. So depending on what their fiscal year is, they're looking at budgets typically on an annual basis. And sometimes with adding services, they can pull from other areas. Um, not necessarily your fee, but another department or another um, type of promotional budget, they can pull for that. But it's really hard when they've looked at their your rate and they've factored their budget based on what your rate is currently. It's challenging to be able to go back and say, you know, dig up money and they'll say there just there just isn't you know, not until the end of our fiscal year. And then we reevaluate again. And then maybe you bring it up and that becomes part of the discussion for when they're factoring in the budget so that they can lock you in for that next year and say, okay, we've come up with the budget for that new rate and you've given it some runway. So that's another factor too, is when you're doing this, you want to give clients a pretty significant heads up. It can't be like, next month the rate is increasing. You have yeah. to give them some, you know, time, time. to plan for it and you make know, sure it's it, in the budget. Yeah, exactly. That's really smart. I like that a lot. Um, so if, so really like if somebody is planning to increase the rates for Q1, they should have had those conversations already, or at least should be doing it in the next week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Get on that. <laughs> Get on that now. We should probably release this episode ASAP. I was like, when is this coming out? We got to, <laughs> people have to get on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a good time. What we try to do is way in advance of Q4 when the holiday madness is all set in, when it's mm. a little bit more quiet in Q3, we will ask our clients for a planning meeting for the new year. And we like to really figure out what they're up to 
um, in the new year what their plans are, because then we can come back with a strategic approach, some recommendations for how we would support all of those initiatives, launches, all of the things they're working on for the new year. And then you're kind of, I look at it like your tentacles are just like in their business and they can't get rid of you because you've got this plan and this runway for the whole year based on, or at least for the first, you know, six months based on what they're launching and what they're focuses and the initiatives and you need that runway to plan for it. And then once you get in there and figure out what's going to be a priority and when you're starting to work on it, that's a great discussion point um, to have that conversation of like, well, based on these initiatives and the success of our campaigns and, you know, now they're launching new products. So it's like the scope is increased. That's a great time to then say, here's our approach for 2023. And this is the proposed budget for successfully implementing all of these strategic recommendations. It sounds like a key element of all this is to beat your clients to that to the chase, I guess you could say, or like <laughs> be one step ahead of them when it comes yeah, to like thinking that. about the next quarter. Yeah. Well, and I think it also shows you're really proactive. You're thinking, I mean, it's just a matter of us working on journalists timeline for short and long leads and then having to have runway to plan for it. Mm-hmm. We are so always true. thinking ahead, right? Um, and yeah. And then you it's my to- toxic trait, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm in 2023 right now. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I've already planned for it. Well, it's like giving your clients enough time to say, okay, we need these assets. These are the things we're going to need. What's the actual launch date? And then they give you a launch date and you're like, well, you don't have X, Y, Z. So do you want to launch to crickets or do you want to have some runway to pitch the media to have some features align with when you're launching? So you yeah. want to have that advance heads up, tell your clients what assets you need to be successful to hit the ground running and time it the right way. And so when you do those um, strategic kind of proactive meetings with clients to discuss what's upcoming, I think it just really shows them that you're thinking ahead, you're planning, you're taking initiative. And that's what I love about having those meetings where you're sharing the excitement and sharing your thoughts about what they have in the works. And then you can come back with all of these ideas where it'd be pretty hard to get rid of you (laughs) because you're already thinking and planning and moving forward with your strategy and they can't really do that on their own. And why would they hire somebody else when you're already in there doing a great job and then showing that you're proactively planning for success in the new year? I was just going through the LinkedIn article where you wrote um, the new or the three steps. Yeah, what I say? To... I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was going. One of the questions that we had um, in our two notes. Of them. Yes, yeah. be confident oh, okay. and plan ahead. So, how to raise your PR rates for new clients? Okay. Be confident, plan ahead, or be confident is step number one. Step number two is plan ahead. And then step number three is to stagger your PR rate increases, which I think we've not really gotten too into the weeds on, um, but the other two we definitely have. Do you want to speak a little bit more to step number three, Jen? Yeah. Um, So staggering it, um, I think, you know, you don't want all of your 
like you want to have those conversations. You want to have run, you know, runway to plan for them. You want to make sure that you're, um, you know, really thinking about the timeline for clients and giving them enough time to think about getting the, you know, budgets set for that. Um, but I think also having your revenue, um, you like sometimes you don't want all of the changes to kind of happen at once and then have like a ramp up that you need to actually be ready and plan for it. Um, there's just a lot of factors. And like, what if they say no um, and you're sort of in this weird stuck place? Does it mean that you don't continue those services? Does it, you have to be willing to have the client walk away because it could happen. Yeah. And so you want to make sure that if you're having these conversations and there's a risk of a client saying, well, we're just going to kind of move forward at the end of our contract um, and and look for another service provider, you don't want to get kind of stuck like holding an empty bag, you know, where clients have moved on and they're all kind of gone at the same time. Not that I expect that that would really happen, um, but I think, you know, it, it is a, a longer discussion. It's not just like a one and done, like, hey, I want to talk to you. And also, guys, this is not an email, okay? Don't hide behind email. Yeah, right. This is a conversation, not you guys, but like, oh, man, I can't even – I know it's easier to just write everything in email. Conversations are uncomfortable, and it's always like, God, I just don't want to have that talk. It's so awkward. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is like what I say, like we put on our big girl pants and we have those hard conversations because they always, always turn out better than if you were going to – send an email and sometimes the tone, the message is lost in translation. Um, clients could like easily come back and just say, well, I wasn't expecting this. And it feels sort of negative and not collaborative. Um, when you get on the phone and there's a partnership, you can respond to anything in real time and really um, make your case and then figure out, you know, where your client's kind of initial mindset is on it and then kind of address it. And sometimes you you may have to walk back a bit. I mean, you got to be willing to either lose a client or not add services or, you know, it's like you like can't negotiate. Yeah. It's a bit, I mean, be you flexible, can, I guess. So, right? Yeah. And the other thing that I really love doing too is I I have clients that are so wonderful to work with and they're great and they're appreciative and they're pretty consistently getting um, press because we have new products to pitch and we just want to keep them around. You know, like I, like I was saying with the agency accelerator, I have a framework that I teach to, and it's really, uh, I call it the path to profitability, but it's based on the goal of creating consistent, predictable, recurring retainer revenue in your business. And part of that is obviously like having a really healthy client pipeline. And if you lose a client, it's no big deal. You can kind of go back to your pipeline and generate some new leads because you know how to do that. And then, um, you know, kind of goes to leveraging the results you get. But ultimately, it's about keeping your clients happy, keeping them in the door because, that retainer revenue, it's it's consistent every month, especially six to 12 month contract. You want to lock them in so you can have predictability on what you're going to make that year or at least some, you know, security on that. So I think 
using a fee increase is a great way to have that discussion to lock in your client for another year at the current rate. So you let them know, you know, we are going to be increasing our rates, but in, you know, the spirit of partnership and we love working with you and we would love to, um, you know, kind of take that six month agreement and extend it for a year because I think we're humming along and, you know, you seem like we're meeting expectations, hopefully exceeding expectations. So if you signed an uh, amendment for an additional 12 months, we're happy to lock it in at the current rate while all of our new and other clients um, will, you know, be switching to our, our updated new market rate. So I've done that and I've gotten to um, just, I have to actually, it reminds me, I have to get the, the amendments over. Simple, simple things. So the existing retainer contract stays in effect, all of the terms that you negotiated, unless there is a change in scope, that becomes an item in the amendment. But um, you just amend the contract period for that additional 12 months and they sign it and all of the other terms and conditions still apply to the original agreement. So you don't have to come back with a whole new retainer agreement. Super simple, one pager, very easy, but that will help you lock in those clients and keep them you know, in the door and have that foundation of retainer revenue because that is how you build an agency with predictable revenue, um, predictability in terms of like your team's scope and, you know, how to allocate your, your resources effectively. And um, that way, if you have a client that leaves, it's never personal. You don't take it personally. It happens. It's business. It's fine. But you have that solid foundation so we don't panic and, you know, you know exactly what you're going to continue making. Love it. Um, so you mentioned market rates. Um, curious. Yes. So in your article, you talk about how researching the rates of your peers is a good way to know how you stand amongst your competitors. And I'm wondering if you have any resources that you could recommend or how you'd recommend somebody to go about doing research on what rates should look like in this industry. Yeah. I mean, I did this for so long in a vacuum, you know, running my business for at least 10 years before I found a collaborative community. Well, I didn't find a collaborative community. I you made one, right? I made it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, mean, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it didn't, this didn't like exist when I started. And I feel like the PR industry, I don't know why, but it's been very close to the vest and people are like, these are my secrets. Um, yeah, you know, I and, and I just, we just actually, right before this, we had a call for my, uh, you mentioned the pitch, the pitch lab, the membership program. We had like 20 people call in from all over the world, super incredible group. We were all talking about like our media contacts. They were sharing contacts in the chat. We were sharing ways to connect with journalists. These are the conversations we're having. And part of that in this community, especially in the agency accelerator group, is what rates and what we're charging. And having a group to run it by, um, it's empowering. I don't know why this discussion of rates and fees and all that, I want to know where I stand. I want to know, mm -hmm. am I top of the market? Are we like the aspirational agency? And for each client, it's going to be different depending on their budget, of course. But like, are you a boutique agency, like kind of just a freelancer rate because you don't know what your peers are charging? Or are you like way top of the market 
competitive with a big agency that's been around for 50 years? You know, where do you stand? And so having a group of peers is really helpful because um, we talk about it and we'll say, okay, you know, what are you delivering for those um, that fee? And do you charge extra if you do influencer outreach? And we also talk about how to price your services in the agency accelerator because I think the default that I'm noticing is people undercharge. They're just undercharging. And that comes in with this mindset mm. of, oh yeah, they're undercharging and they feel like they're, um, the, the mindset is if I say that it's too much, like the client, they, in their mind, it's like, well, that's too much. And they trip over the words, the numbers when they say them. Um, you know, it, it, the other thing is, um, when you have a, a sales call with a client, ask them their budget. I was shocked to hear how many PR pros don't feel comfortable asking that question. You have to ask the client what their budget is. They may not tell you, but it's helpful. And sometimes it'll like blow your mind because it's way more than you ever could have imagined. And you can come back with a really solid proposal, maybe even coming in a little bit below budget, but, um, you know, and offering a great like range of services and just really make yourself indispensable. But it helps to know what other people are charging and also, you know, kind of being aware of your own money stories that you have, like just because something sounds like a lot to you um, doesn't mean that the client feels the same way. Um, you know, what is the value that you can show? That's why case studies are so important and testimonials and other results you can leverage. Um, having a deep expertise in your niche is really important. This is all like, you know, the framework we teach in that agency accelerator because this is the way to get to higher rates, to work less and make more because you have economies of scale with the relationships you've built and the services that you're providing. When you niche down, it means who you serve and also how you serve them. So you don't want to be mm. providing 25 different services and everybody's cherry picking and you have to manage who's doing what and when. And it's just, you know, we get you into a flow state and that also kind of helps to um, really show the value of the work you're doing because you have these solid case studies that are very dialed into that niche. So when a client comes to you and they're the right fit, because that's your area of expertise, they are going to see the value in your services immediately because they see themselves in your other clients and you've already proven that you can take a client in the same industry and do a great job with them. You show, you've shown you have relationships. So that's another piece of it is like the niching down aspect so that you can build the right relationships, get the right expertise. And then you are, you know, people get nervous. Well, if I limit who I serve and I niche down too much, then I'm going to lose out on all these opportunities for clients. But the reality is that you charge more because you're a sought after authority in your space and your dream clients come to you, clients with bigger budgets because they want the best. You know, they want the best beauty PR firm. They want a proven, you know, beauty firm. They don't want to see you've done tech and you've done nonprofit and you're going to be pitching their skincare brand. I mean, it's not a fit. Mm -hmm. So you can charge higher rates when you can prove the value in your expertise 
in that niche through case studies and testimonials and results and things like that. So those are the things you leverage, you know, um, as you're building and you can kind of see where you stack up with other people in your industry, other agencies in your industry, because if they, you know, don't have that demonstrable value through their case studies, then they're not able to really command those higher rates like you can. What you said makes so much sense. I've seen it firsthand and yet I've never heard it just outright stated, but you're totally right. When you're an independent publicist, it is in your best interest to um, find a niche and mm-hmm. stick with it. It's oh, so yeah. true. Oh this my God. This is I- literally like the foundation of my program because it's like what I experienced in my business. I had two kind of moments in my agency of like quantum growth. The quantum is not mm-hmm. like, okay, 20% over last year, 100%. It was like, 500% growth from the previous wow. year. And the first one was when I got advice from a, a mentor at uh, USC business school. I went to law school at USC, but my husband was in the business school and um, one of his mentors agreed to speak with me and he kind of asked me how I was doing and I was doing all the things and I was doing it all myself because I came from law and my salary was really high and I felt like I'm not successful in my own business until I make at least what I was making as an attorney. And I was kind of hovering right around that number. And I was like, how am I going to, like, there's no more hours in a day. How am I going to do this? Right. And so he said, less gen equals more money. You need to like Mm -hmm. build your team, finders, minders, and grinders, like get yourself some grinders. And I was like, okay. So it, it was hard to part with that, you know, income to give to a team member. But the second I did, just massive, massive growth. Cause now I could focus on high value activities, work on my business, not just in the nitty gritty day to day. And then mm-hmm. the second time was realizing that my very first client was a, a baby and kids brand. And I had been with them for 11 years, right. Which is wow. an eternity. Right. And yes. because we were with them for so long, <clears throat> even though we increased the rate a couple times, we were still way below market. Mm-hmm. I literally said to the owners, like, please take a chance on me. I know I'm a lawyer, but I promise I'll work really <laughs> hard and do a good job on your PR and come back in three months. And if you like the work I've done, let's reevaluate. And so 11 years later and only two fee increases, they were way below market. And when we finally parted ways, I am not even kidding you when the very next day, my dream ideal client in that niche came knocking on my door. And I no was way. like, oh, that's awesome. Oh my God. And so without hesitation, I tripled my rate. Yep. Yeah. Because I have making to- up for lost time, right? Yeah, right. I'm like, okay, we gotta just make this leap right here. Plus, that's what you were worth. You had eleven yep. years experience in that niche already, yeah. probably more. I mean, that's thousands of contacts. Right. And and results and just, yeah. you know, really like top tier, you know, Ellen, Today Show, all those yeah. celebrities that had kids just everything you would want to see in, you know, if you were looking for a, a representative to support your brand and they did not even negotiate. And that's the secret, you guys, I'm sure you notice with your higher end clients, the bigger the budget, the more they leave you alone and they don't even really negotiate because the budget's there, you know? So if they mm-hmm. want the best, if they want the one that's got that expertise, who's going to get them the results they're looking for, then whatever that person charges is, you know, 
it, it, as long as it's in the ballpark, you're you're good to go. So my that client did not bat an eye. We tripled our rate overnight. And that's when it hit me was the whole niching down. I mean, I'd heard it, but just mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like a driving factor. And then I yeah. realized that I was working, you know, a third as much for that same amount or like working the same amount for three times the money. Now I had money for a team to, to come in and, you know, uh, just other things that really helped to grow the business. And that's kind of the foundation too of the um, path to profitability is really starting in the strategy section. We do like strategy, sales, service, and then scale. When we think about strategy, we start with your niche. You know, who do you yeah. serve? How do you serve them? How do you choose a niche? How do you position yourself as the best, as the go-to authority? How do you build those relationships? All of that is what helps you um, command a, a really significant rate, get clients to seek you out, and really make your work a lot more enjoyable and manageable because you're not running around like your hair's on fire trying to manage all these different clients and different contacts and different services. It'll just make you crazy. No kidding. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I, I don't know about you, Britt, but we came into this conversation imagining, I imagine that you would, <laughs> Jen, just be like, here's what you do to raise your rates. You're not charging enough. Here's how you're, there's your solution for overnight. But what I feel like happened instead is that we had a really deep conversation that kind of aligns with the way I like to do PR, which is like really having a solid foundation in the background and like working, I don't want to say working hard, because like you said, the longer you do this, the easier it becomes naturally Mm -hmm. because you're building your contacts. Mm -hmm. But I think what you should, what you demonstrated is that it's really important to have something that like really backs up your credibility as a publicist. It's it's not enough to say, give me more money, right? Right. Um, You have to show your worth. Um, The value. And I think Exactly. And I really think you did a a brilliant job framing it for all of us. I think our audience is going to get a lot out of this. Um, Thank you. It's funny you say I didn't expect this, but I did. I knew that this was hard (laughs) because it's like there's so many factors that go into it. And um, when you do, when you approach it strategically, it all becomes very clear how you can, you know, really um, show your value, command a higher, high rate. I look at the relationships with clients. This is a partnership. If they're really great, they pay their bills on time. They don't bother me. Like I want to keep them around. So I'm not going to come and say, let's ruffle feathers. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, um, so that's not, and I always tell people like, it's really hard to go back and ask for more money, but not offer additional anything, you know? Um, like nobody likes when your landlord raises the rent or when you go to a restaurant and they're like, you know, you want extra salad dressing and they're like, it's $2. I mean, I don't want to be nickel and dime. So that's not how we treat clients, but, um, you know, it's funny you say like, I wasn't expecting that because I was like, in my mind, I know where I want to take this conversation because there's so, so many things to consider. And that's just why I love, um, you know, supporting this community because, this foundation, this approach, like just works. Even if you're running a digital marketing agency, PR, um, we have VA services clients, that approach works no matter what kind of um, service or creative service you're offering. And it's really cool to see all kinds of different people implementing it successfully. It's like awesome because I go, well, it worked for me. Maybe other people 
it'll work for them. And now I have, you know, we have thousands all over the world and it's so cool to see. And my goal is just like, I want women to have it all. That's my goal. I'm a mom. I have two boys. I knew as an attorney that I could not be the kind of mom I wanted to be, be present and checked in um, and be able to work what was expected of me in law. I also did not love it. It wasn't a good fit for me. And this shift, you know, complete 180 out of nowhere to PR was such a great transition for me and has served me so well, better than I ever could have expected. And, you know, like uh, my elder son is on the spectrum and I caught it really early and he has other learning challenges. I just advocate for him all the time. We have to fight the district. We have to get the school to give him what he needs. It's a full, you know, plus all the like services and all the therapies he goes to. And I know that I could not have been this present for him if I were still practicing law. And I probably would have had to make a decision and say, it's either my family that needs me right now or my career, but I get to have both. And it's like, how can you not share that proven approach with others if that's their goal too, to have this sort of work-life integration and to not have to choose between you know, working, having a career, making great money. I mean, I supported my husband while he left his W-2 to go pursue entrepreneurship and told him you have as long of a runway as you need because we're steady over here. And I just feel like it's been so awesome. So I want to share with other women how to do it. And I just want everyone to make a lot of money and love what they do and be super fired up for as long as they want to work you know, be excited about their businesses. So that's why I basically give everybody my entire business model and say, here you go. Yeah. I'm I love curious. that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I'm very much one to check out personally the contract. So <laughs> for other listeners who really want to um, check out the pitch lab, we'll definitely uh, link to that in our show notes. And we, I, I'm definitely going to check you. Anyways, yeah. thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, Jen, we've we really have covered quite a lot, and I I really appreciate you taking so much time to go into all the details and just the conversation. Like Jacqueline said, that we went into was not expected and very much appreciated. So, thanks again. Oh, my pleasure. We had one more thing where we have um, our guests sometimes give a shout out to someone they worked with or. In this instance, since um, you're not a journalist, um, that's typically the question that we ask journalists as well. But if you want to give a shout out to anything that's in the works that you have besides the pitch lab, now is the time. Promote yourself or promote someone else. (laughs) Well, um, we have this great free community on Facebook. Um, It's called Profitable PR Pros, like you said. And that is the- Oh my gosh, that's free? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's free. It's just oh, a Facebook group. Oh, it's awesome. Nice. Yeah. They're they're so helpful. They're so supportive. Um, again, it's like thousands all over the world, and they're very, very um, open and collaborative. So that's kind of where people start, and then they get into our world, and then they join our programs, and we just have what we call like a success path. And it's my goal to teach people through the Pitch Lab how to 
you know, play the media game, you know, play to win and, and really understand how the media is working now. And we give these monthly execution plans that are like bonkers. They're so good. I have a whole team that works on them. They're, you know, 50 pages of pitch ideas, long lead, short lead. Um, we call through editorial calendars and come up with what all of the main, you know, major like heritage publications are working on every month. So you can time your long and short lead pitches. You get a new one every month. Um, it's just super helpful. We have people use them for, you know, proposals for sales calls. Cause you are like a media insider. People are like, Oh, Allure's working on their best of beauty and blah, blah, blah. You know, and you just sound like you're so dialed in. Um, and then once we teach people how to do PR successfully or add PR services to their existing business, then we teach them how to run their business through the agency accelerator. So it's super cool to see how, People kind of go through the content and evolve their businesses and make it their own. And um, we also just acquired a PR Couture um, from Crosby Norix, and we're incorporating that into our business and just providing more value, more price points, so people can you know kind of join us where they where they are in their careers. So wherever you are, we can support you. And it starts with the profitable PR pros community. Come find us on Facebook. It's totally free. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jen. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram. 